Occultism is on the rise. In 2014, the Pew Research Center found that about 1 million to 1.5 million people identify as Wiccan or Pagan, potentially outnumbering the 1.4 million mainline members of the Presbyterian Church. By 2050, the number of practicing pagans in America is projected to triple to 6.6 million, or 1.5% of the population. Now, we address the reasons why this number is increasing. Welcome to The Unapologetic Show, where we make the case for why Christianity still makes sense in a world of doubt, with almost apostate, now pastor and apologist, Dr. Bobby Conway. I'm your host, Tim Hall. Well, we are continuing our series, Beliefism, where we look at different belief systems, ghost adventures, ghost hunters, the most haunted places on earth, Expedition X, and several others have growing audiences on major TV networks. The occult and its practices are infiltrating pop culture. And Bobby, I think that we need to start by identifying and defining what the occult is. So help us do that. Sure. It's... A bit of a broad term, Tim. Uh, it comes from the Latin word occultus, which means hidden or clandestine or secret. And so occultics, occultists, what they seek to do is capture knowledge beyond the everyday uh, reason uh, that we experience in our own life or beyond the physical sciences uh, by tapping into basically the unseen realm through various means of magic in order to uncover certain hidden mysteries. Marcia Montenegro, who is a part of the New Age movement, basically said this as she defined the occult. The occult, she said, an underlying supernatural worldview supporting various practices that are designed to access information or power through reading hidden meanings or through contact with supernatural beings or forces. In an article about the occult and Satanism uh, in America by Rex uh, Teodosio, I was reading it and I found this statement to be helpful, Tim. He said, occultism can be defined as the movement of people who believe in harnessing the power of spirits or nature through the use of herbs, crystals, amulets, incantations, symbols, and spells for either good or bad effect. So that's a little bit about it, starting with the term means clandestine or hidden or secret. Yeah, it almost seems like that they think that they found a way to unlock kind of the mysteries of the world. Like if you, you know, do these certain things, if you perform these certain rituals or say these certain words, that things are then, you know, kind of guaranteed or that you can bring about certain reactions. So I think one of the interesting differences um, needs to be defined between just occult, so a cult, and the occult. So how should we think about the differences between those two categories? Right. Uh, This is not the same thing, right? When you think about the occult or a cult, uh, two different things. A cult is a basic belief system that, you know, tries to assume itself a little bit uh, with the Bible uh, and basically denies one or more Christian doctrines. So 
take, for example, Mormons. Uh, Mormons would be a cult. They would use the Bible, but nevertheless, they have corrupted it with the Pearl of Great Price adding to it, Doctrines and Covenants, uh, the Book of Mormon, and then leveraging uh, the Bible, which they would use the King James Version. Or take Jehovah's Witnesses, for example. Uh, they use the New World Translation. And uh, basically, the translators tweaked it completely in order to make their Christology of who they believe Jesus to be uh, fit uh according to their doctrine, which would not see Jesus as the second person of the Trinity. Mm. So a cult uh, would typically deny one or more of our Christian doctrines. Now, the occult, uh, certainly they would deny uh, the Christian doctrines as well, but they're not trying to hold on to the Bible as their source guide, where like a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon would use the Bible, but they've reinterpreted it to fit their belief system. No, that, that's excellent. I want to remind our audience that we're, we're going to chat a little bit about how this is kind of cropping up in our popular culture. I'd mentioned some shows earlier, but I want to remind our audience that if you are checking this out on the radio, you can listen to this episode again on our audio-only podcast. You can head on over to OneMinuteApologist.com and click on podcast and check it out there. You can also watch this episode again at our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash OneMinuteApologist, and you can find out all, you can find all of our uh, unapologetic episodes. Bobby, did you know that this is our 100th unapologetic episode? So congratulations. I did not. 100. Yeah, so we are hey, well, number, number 100. So if anybody wants to check that out while you're at our YouTube channel, like this video, subscribe, check out that playlist. You can check out all 100 episodes of the unapologetic show there. And that, that should keep you busy for a while. So uh, Bobby, yeah, talk to us sure. a little bit about how the occult is popping up in today's culture. I think maybe... When we consider the occult, it's important to ask, why is it important today mm. to so many people? Now, the occult, it goes back a long ways. I mean, you can uh, see it, as we'll talk about in a little bit in the Bible, uh, but you can even think about like Pythagoras uh, and some of the people from the ancient uh, you know, world of Greece, you know, so going back to like the fifth century BC, uh, and, and we see a lot of, of the occult and its popularity, even throughout the church age, right? You know, you think about like the Salem uh, witch trials and the witch hunting that took place. And, uh, the church obviously was at fault in some of that. And, uh, and we know that like, some people like to bring that up as a criticism and we would say, yeah, that's very unfortunate. Like we shouldn't have, you know, been a part of, you know, hunting witches down right. uh, in the way that we did. So there, there's some faults in the way that we reacted to it, but some of the popularity, Tim, of the occult today, it is a belief that people can kind of pick and choose. So I think that in a culture that's very individualistic, that, still has a sense that there is an unseen realm. There's more than meets the eye. Uh, this material world is not all that is. So there will be those that believe that there is this 
unseen realm behind the curtain of our world, but they don't look to Christianity to answer their questions about the unseen realm. Uh, Christianity uh, is a doctrinal belief system. They don't want to have a moral set of boundaries or a doctrinal set of beliefs. So people drawn to the occult, they can sense something out there and they like that they don't have to be doctrinally bound and they can pick and choose. But on top of that, the occult has been uh, popularized through books. I mean, you think about J.K. Rowling and her Harry Potter series, which has intrigued the imagination of many of the youth that are growing up today who are fascinated by it. Uh, but then movies that have come out on the occult. Uh, think about the popular Netflix series uh, that came out called uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And Sabrina Spellman is basically this half witch, half mortal. And Sabrina has her 16th birthday coming up, and there is going to be a celebration. Her birthday happens to be on October 31st on Halloween. And there she will undergo a dark baptism. And that is to say, she will give herself to Satan. Well, Tim, this Netflix series was huge, sparking the interest. Uh, and then you think about tarot cards being uh, even more popular and crystals and Ouija boards. And uh, there is just uh, uh, some of it starts off with fun and games for the youth, and then they get into it and their intrigue is there. But get this, in 2018, Pew Research uh, in a release entitled New Age Beliefs Common Among Both Religious and Non-Religious Americans. Hmm. Uh, in this Pew Research journal, uh, it says, most American adults self-identify as Christians. But many Christians also hold what are sometimes characterized as New Age beliefs, including belief in reincarnation, astrology, uh, physics or psychics, excuse me, and the presence of spiritual energy in physical objects like mountains or trees. Many Americans who are religiously unaffiliated also have these beliefs. Overall, Roughly six in 10 American adults accept at least one of these new age beliefs. Now, when you think that more specifically, that 61% of professing Christians believe in at least one of the four things that we mentioned above, namely reincarnation, um, psychics, uh, astrology, or the presence of spiritual energy as seen in mountains or trees, that is astonishing. So this lets you know, obviously, uh, we have a lot of discipleship work to do inside the church to help people to be aware of this. And according to an, a, 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 a census in 2010, there are more people today involved in the occult in America than there are Muslims or Jehovah's Witnesses. So you think about how much we hear the, the term Muslims or Jehovah's Witnesses in the church. Well, there are more people in America, that was 2010, engaged in the occult. So a few more stats, Tim, just in answer to your question. According to a new research by Trinity College of Connecticut, Wicca, 
for example, which would fall under the umbrella of occultism, is one of the fastest growing religions in our country. Between 1990 and 2008, it saw a 44-fold increase in the number of adherents. One and a half million Americans now identify as either Wiccan or Pagan. And lastly, according to a 2018 web publication, Quartzy, they said, appropriately described the modern witchcraft as the perfect religion for liberal millennials. Wiccans emphasize free thought and will of the individual, encouraging learning and understanding of the earth and nature, as well as a tolerance and ideals of feminism. Wow. Yeah, those are some some staggering stats. And, and I'm wondering, too, if there's a little bit of, uh, you know, particularly in Christianity, you have the the sovereignty of God over the creation. And this seems like that, you know, the occult and, and paganism wants to kind of break some of that sovereignty. They, they, they almost want to say, well, if I do these certain things, or I believe these certain things, or I, you know, have these certain crystals, or I say this certain, you know, um, uh, chant or words or whatever, I can bring about something um, that that I wouldn't have been able to do. And so there's like this right. secrecy to it, but then there's also this level of control. And I'm not saying that people are necessarily motivated by the control, but I think on some level, we all want to have control of our environment and we all want to, you know, kind of put the pieces in place as we need to. And so that makes it more appealing. You can say, wow, I found this secret that I can unlock the things in my life that I couldn't if I, you know, I have these certain crystals or I say this certain thing or whatever. And I think that that, uh, you know, kind of plays into that. You, you had mentioned a few of the practices. Why don't you talk to us a little bit more about the various practices of the occult? So there's no um, one-size-fits-all belief system as it relates to the occult, like we talked about. So you can kind of custom-make your own spiritual, uh, you know, belief system. Yeah. What works for you and uh, great, what doesn't, great. Uh, so you can see uh, relativism very much embedded in this. Uh, I would say that some of the practices, well, if you include Satanism, which would be a part of the occult, Anton LaVey, uh, who was the founder of Satanism and, uh, you know, at the Satanic Church there in San Francisco, uh, when you think about some of the practices, there are black masses uh, that can take place in Satanism. Uh, child sacrifice, which is just absolutely, uh, you know, abhorrent. Uh, but then depending upon if somebody goes outside of Satanism, there could be uh, the use of tarot cards, uh, which are utilized to help people to find direction uh, in life. So, you know, when tarot cards first came out, um, it, it wasn't the case that they were as defined as they are now where people are looking for uh, direction. Uh, there's the reading of horoscopes, which would be another practice, um, leveraging energy from crystals, as you talked about, the use of Ouija boards. So essentially, when you think about uh, the occult, though, what it is in a lot of ways, it's a blending of Eastern pantheistic beliefs with uh, pre-Christian religions uh, and add a little Gnostic touch in there and you're getting kind of the recipe of occultism. Uh, they would reject absolute truth. Uh, they believe that humans can alter reality by accessing power, maybe through crystals or, uh, you know, Wic Wicca's 
witches using certain uh, curses or magic uh, that you can alter reality using that energy. Uh, good and evil uh, for the occult, they're like opposites. Uh, you're, you know, two sides of a coin, so to speak. Mm. And uh, they're trying to balance these opposites a, a little bit in their in their practice. So there's a lot that goes on. Uh, there are people who literally uh, study uh, to be witches. And we're not talking about with a broom. Uh, we're talking about people who are into the earth. They're pagan, but they believe that they can uncover secrets. So a cult, the broad uh, picture looking at this again is that they would have different types of occultism that would fall under that umbrella, like Satanism or Wiccas, uh, you know, so it, there's no one size fits all and that can help. And then the practices that they use vary as well. Well, you had a, uh, a maybe a, let's say a brush with the occultism when you were a teenager. Why don't you talk to a little bit about a little bit about the time that you played lead as a feather, stiff as a board and, and what happened? Yeah, I remember this on my 16th birthday, Tim. Uh, you know, this is common to play light as a feather, stiff as a board uh, at slumber parties. And that's what I had. So we had this sleepover and we started playing it. And, you know, I was kind of skeptical about it. Obviously, I wasn't a Christian at the time, but I can remember being blown away uh, by uh, literally feeling like we lifted somebody up. And the person felt light as a feather, stiff as a board. And it was mind boggling to me. Uh, now, I don't know how much my imagination has went on to exaggerate it in my mind since then. It's been a long time. Uh, so I'll just kind of leave it at, I do remember uh, a sense of that and being blown away. Uh, and I think there's a lot of people who have dabbled in this stuff, uh, be it Ouija boards or other things, only to admit that, this stuff is real. There is power out there. I mean, necromancy would be another aspect of trying to speak with the dead, mediums. Uh, there's a lot of this stuff to be aware of in the world of occultism. And when we're watching it, we can see it on TV, and we need to be aware of kind of the influences that that can have on our own life. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's turn to the Bible. Where does the Bible talk about the occult or mention the occult or, you know, kind of what, what's its view of what's going on there? Well, there, there's a number of passages uh, in the Bible that address the occult. Uh, now, when I say the occult, I'm speaking about things that are contributed to the occult. So the Bible talks about omens or witchcraft, and things like that. So, for example, in Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verses 9 to 12, we read, uh, When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering Anyone who practices divination or tells fortune or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. So one of the reasons God people 
inherited the promised land to begin with and the Canaanites were driven out is because they were into these various occult practices. Mm. In Leviticus 19.31, do not turn to mediums or necromancers. Do not seek them out or so make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. And then in the New Testament, in Acts 19, verse 19, uh, and a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So here in the New Testament, uh, where, where the preaching of the gospel is going out, the people get convicted uh, in Ephesus of their occult-like practices of magic arts and their books that would talk about spells. And what happens when they're converted? Well, in their situation, I mean, they literally brought them out and they just burned them in the sight of all. Now, I'm not saying that that's what people have to do. I mean, you can learn about this stuff, like from an apologetic standpoint to to defend uh, the truth, but to participate in it was an abomination. And they believed this, Tim, and therefore they resisted it. They ran from it. And so the occult has no place for us as Christians. It's always been seen as very problematic. And you can see that from the Old Testament and the New. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. So if somebody is listening to this and they're saying, okay, I've seen some of these elements and maybe my friends or family, um, how would they, how would you suggest they go about engaging them uh, with the truth of the Christian worldview? I like what C.S. Lewis wrote in uh, the preface of the Screwtape Letters. I just went through that again. uh, And He says, there are two equal and opposite errors we can fall into concerning devils and demons. Mm. One is to disbelieve in or disregard their existence, a posture far too common in the Western world. The other is to have an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Well, in our culture, I think you see both of those still today. There are those that have an excessive interest in them. And for those that know people that might have that kind of an interest in them, I would encourage uh, Christians, if they're trying to engage friends that are part of the cult, by giving a few practical pointers. First, don't view the person involved in the cult as totally evil and dark. It's possible that they got into it innocently, just looking for some direction in life. It might not mean that they're, you know, into child sacrifice or anything like that. They might just be curious. And this is a great opportunity for us to help them to understand the truth. I would also say that when we're talking to occultists, ask them questions. What is it that got you interested in it? Um, why, why, why do you like it? What draws you to it? Is there anything that's unsettling to you about it? That way you can get a sense of, you know, how far into it they are. What is it that they like? And then I would just say once you've heard their story, uh, then you can begin to uh, engage them with the gospel and talk to them about why you believe it can be dangerous to engage in the occult and point them to Jesus. Yeah. And, and again, like there are some similarities. I think those are excellent points that you can start to draw on some commonalities of the unseen realm of, you know, 
you know, things that are going on outside of our physical reality. And so you might be able to use those to kind of uh, build some common ground in order to be able to talk about uh, the resurrection of Jesus and the, and the Christian worldview. Uh, any final thoughts or points that you want to leave our audience with before we wrap up today? No, I mean, I would just say in the light of Halloween, uh, you know, we just need to be praying because while a lot of us, uh, you know, might be having fun with it, there is a small sector of society that goes really dark and they will leverage uh, kind of the occult, uh, you know, practices in order to do some pretty dark things. And so we want to pray for protection on that night as well. Amen to that. Well, if you are interested in the Jehovah Witnesses or Mormons that Bobby talked about earlier, we have done shows on those in the past. I will leave the links to that in the description. We also did an episode last year about Halloween and its origins and whether or not Christians should participate in Halloween. So I'll leave that in the description as well. And with that, we will meet you next time on The Unapologetic Show. You've been listening to Unapologetic with Dr. Bobby Conway, the one-minute apologist. I am your host, Tim Hall. Be sure to listen to Bobby on Pastor's Perspective Monday through Thursday, as well as like, share, and subscribe to the One Minute Apologist YouTube channel, where we have over 1,000 videos. We would also like to remind you that this is a listener-supported program. We would greatly appreciate your support in any amount so we could continue to provide this ministry. If you would like to be a part of our team in any capacity, please visit our website at oneminuteapologist.com. And while you're there, check out all of Bobby's books, courses, and even invite him to speak at your church or event. Thank you for listening to Unapologetic, where we defend truth without compromise. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa.